We celebrate Mother's Day today. Those wonderful, exasperating women who are the closest thing to God's unconditional love that many of us will ever know. But I also want to acknowledge that Mother's Day is tough for some of us. We miss our mothers who have died. Or we had a mother whose love was very conditional, arbitrary, or abusive. Or we never really knew our mother. And this day can be a painful reminder for women who cannot conceive or bear a child. So we also offer up a silent prayer for God's healing love to descend on those for whom this is a difficult day. A few years ago, I was told the story of an assistant priest in Oregon who got up to preach a sermon on Mother's Day. But this was back in the late 1960s. The ladies of the parish were in a festive mood, all wearing their special hats and dresses for the occasion. But this was at the height of the Vietnam War, with newscasts of bloody battles and street protests on television every night. So when the young priest got up to the pulpit, he began railing on U.S. policy in the war, condemning it from a Christian perspective and challenging those in the congregation to do the same. As he paused to take a breath before launching into his next point, a matronly woman sprang up from a pew in the back, shook her fist in the air and shouted, Not on Mother's Day! <laughs> then she stormed down the aisle and out of the church. Well, I don't think today's sermon will elicit such a response from you, <laughs> though it would be a pretty good story to tell later. So, you may have noticed maybe a low hum of sadness running through today's gospel reading. Jesus and his disciples are having their last supper together. And in John's gospel, that evening is five chapters long. In chapter 13, Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. Chapters 14, 15, and 16 are called the farewell discourses. In them, Jesus gives his disciples their final instructions, their last lessons. The words come tumbling out of him as if he knew time was running out. Yet he still had so much to say to his friends. Finally, in chapter 17, from which we heard this morning... He concludes his discourse, looks up to heaven, and addresses God directly. He prays that God protect his own in the world. These beloved disciples who have spent the last three years in Jesus' company as witnesses to his teachings and healings. Because they have come to know the divine presence of God in their friend Jesus, these disciples no longer belong to the world. The knowledge and blessing they have been given sets them apart, even though they must remain in the world after Jesus has left it. Biblical scholars call chapter 17 of John's gospel the high priestly prayer. Just as the high priest of the temple would intercede with God on behalf of the people and offer a sacrifice at the altar, so Jesus offers a final prayer for his disciples' protection praying to God even as he knows he's about to be sacrificed, arrested, and put to death. But why are we reading about the Last Supper six weeks after Maundy Thursday? 
Didn't we just cover this territory? Well, it's because we're at a point in our church calendar year when Jesus has just taken leave of his disciples once more. The Feast of the Ascension was Thursday, three days ago, when the physical body of Jesus left the world one last time and rose up to heaven 40 days after Easter. So it's appropriate that we should hear this final prayer for his followers again today. When they heard it at their last supper together, the disciples must have felt comforted, even if they didn't quite know how bad things were about to get for their teacher. As Christians, we are called to pray for those around us. Jesus is modeling the form of intercessory prayer that we continue today in our prayers of the people when we pray for those in need. If you've ever, if you've ever had the experience of being out sick or in surgery and had your name on a prayer list, and then you come back to church and you hear your name said again, it's a nice feeling. You know that your community has been asking God to heal and protect you. Now, this might sound kind of strange, but I would like to encourage you this week to pray for someone in their presence with them. Just as Jesus did before his disciples in today's reading. Don't just say to a friend in need, I'll pray for you. Do it. Stop. Take their hands in yours and offer a prayer of protection for this precious person in your life. It will feel awkward. I guarantee it. <laughs> but think how comforted your friend will be. I am privileged as a priest to get to do this all the time. To pray for people when they're in my office, when I'm visiting them in the hospital or at their homes. To hold their hands, to bless their foreheads. And it's a blessing to me. But I know when you pray with someone for their needs directly... Uh, it's almost a double blessing. When I was in seminary, about 10 years ago, part of my training included a three-month chaplaincy program at San Francisco General Hospital. Basically, we had to walk up to the sickbed of a total stranger when they were at their most vulnerable, smile, and ask how they were doing. These cold call visits always scared me. But after a while, I began to trust that the Holy Spirit would guide the conversations. So I eventually let go of trying to control them myself. One day, a nurse called the chaplain's office to request a visit for a patient who was dying of cancer. He wants someone to pray with him, she said. Oh, and you should know that he's been granted compassionate release from prison so he can die on the outside. Well, I was scared. Up to that point, I hadn't spoken with anyone who was about to die, much less someone who had come to the hospital directly from prison. But this is part of my training, so I went. The man lying in the bed was young, maybe in his 30s, and he barely spoke. I didn't know what to say or how to get him to start talking, so I asked him more than once how he was feeling. I'm sad, was his response every time. That's all he would say. So I began to feel uncomfortable just sitting there with him. Finally, I could no longer take the silence, so I started babbling. So I understand you're here on compassionate release. 
He nodded. That means you're dying. He nodded. It must be hard to go from being in prison to being in a hospital knowing you're going to die, I stupidly asked. It is. Then, at long last and out of nowhere, these words came out of my mouth. If you could get up from that hospital bed and have a day of being healthy and doing whatever you want, what would you do? He stared at me for a moment. Then he said, I would ride a bicycle. Surprised at his response, I asked, you like riding bicycles? I do, but I haven't done it since I was a kid. And where would you go? He hesitated a moment and then said, I would ride away from this hospital through the city, and I would ride across the Golden Gate Bridge, stop on a hill on the other side, and look back at the ocean and the city. Then I would ride up to the redwood trees and spend time just walking around. That's all he said. That sounds really nice, I said. He said nothing. After another silence, I asked him, would you like to pray? Yes, he said. So I took his hand, closed my eyes, and prayed aloud to God, not asking that this man be returned to health and thus to prison, but asking God to keep a bicycle ready for his beloved child so that when his time came, he could ride, ride, ride all over heaven. When I opened my eyes, he was looking at me. Thank you, he said. As I got up to go, he said thank you again. And he repeated it as I walked out the door. It occurred to me later that perhaps all this man really wanted was for someone to speak on his behalf to God. Maybe he didn't feel like he could do that himself or that he deserved to do that. He didn't need to talk about his life or to process his sadness with me. He just needed to hear someone intercede with God for him. I take no credit for how that conversation ended up, because as St. Paul says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. Like the disciples, we Christians are not of this world. And the prayer Jesus makes is for us too, that God will protect us from the evil one. An evil that today perhaps takes the form of violence, selfishness, or fear. But we are set apart at our baptism and marked as Christ's own. And like the apostles, we too are sent into the world. We are given the mission of proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, of showing God's love through our words and our deeds. And maybe there is a low hum of despair all around us. People have given up in our culture. Not knowing how to pray to God for protection, many try to protect themselves. Living in gated communities, buying guns, or tuning out the world by looking down at their iPhones everywhere they go, instead of looking up at one another. Christ has left us in this world to speak his love 
and compassion and offer an alternative to the silent misery being suffered everywhere. These nine days between the Ascension last Thursday and Pentecost next Sunday are considered the original novena, or nine days of prayer, as the disciples awaited the coming of the Holy Spirit to give them the strength and conviction to carry Christ's message out into the world. May we also spend this week of in-between time in prayer. May we take the hands of others and pray with them, for them, to God. And may the Holy Spirit inspire us to be a witness to this world, to proclaim that another world exists, a better one, waiting to be born anew in our hearts. Amen. Amen.